If you have your Bible, I invite you to open it to Daniel chapter 12. <clears throat> We're finishing up the book of Daniel today. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's one in the chair rack, either in front of you, behind you, or right underneath. I'd encourage you to grab that. I'm going to read the entirety of chapter 12, and you might want to follow along in just a few minutes. And uh, we're going to get there. We're finishing up the book of Daniel today. If uh, you're a little astute and you've been paying attention, you'll say, uh, Pastor Rick, isn't the last time you preached on Daniel two weeks ago? You preached on chapter 9, and now you're in chapter 12. And I may not be a math whiz, but there's a couple numbers between 9 and 12. Uh, and there are 10 and 11. We, uh, when we started the book of Daniel or laid out this series, we left time between uh, the beginning of the year and Palm Sunday that we laid out the book of Daniel. And we could spend the rest of the year on the book of Daniel. We could easily spend a whole lot of time on it. But we chose to dedicate these, these nine weeks to it and cover as much as we could. And uh, as we do that... Um, we, we made some choices. We chose to go through the entire book, not stop at chapter 6, as we mentioned many people do. Um, but, uh, but then we had to make some choices on what to focus on. So we're going to go to chapter 12, but I will tell you, I'll give you the cliff notes of 10 and 11. Uh, 10 and 11 is a vision that's given to Daniel. And uh, it's a vision of some events that pretty much everyone agrees, scholars and commentators, have already happened, taken place. There are a few things in chapter chapter 11 that have yet to take place. But as the vision was given to Daniel uh, as a prophecy, uh, the events, as far as we stand, most of them have already taken place. Daniel lived about 500 BC, uh, that area. Um, and most of the events of chapter 11, the vision, actually already took place about the second century BC. You're aware of them, even though you may not know you're aware of them. Here's what happened. In chapter 11, it's laid out very specifically some battles and some things that'll take place in history and specifically the history of the Jewish people, very specifically. Um, uh, conversations even that'll take place at a table and who will marry who. And those events played out in the second century BC, specifically 168 BC. Because it was said that there would be a king that would come in and he would desecrate the Jewish temple and he would make sacrifices to a false god on the altar in the temple. And in 168 BC, a leader named Antiochus IV or Antiochus the Epiphanes came to power and did just that. Came in, took over Jerusalem. Uh, there was a great uh, trial and trouble and tribulation. And, and he cleared out the temple and he sacrificed an unclean animal. He sacrificed a pig on the altar in the Jewish temple. And he actually built an altar to Zeus in that temple as well. This all happened 168 BC. Here's why I think you know about it. Because what happened next was the Maccabean revolt... Uh, the Maccabean family, one family and a number of others revolted and uh, came and took back the temple and cleansed the temple. And as they did, and as they took over the temple, they had uh, to light the candles and the light that was supposed to burn constantly in the temple. And they lit it, but they only had oil enough to burn for one night. And yet the candles stayed lit for eight nights. Sounding familiar now? Hanukkah, that you probably have heard of, is actually a remembrance of this taking back of the temple in 168 BC by the Maccabeans. 
And so what Daniel was told about, 500 BC, actually happened in the second century BC. Future for him, past for us. So it's pretty amazing. I encourage you to read it for yourself. Get a good study Bible. Read through chapter 11 and look at the prophecy as God revealed it and the fulfillment that took place. It's pretty amazing there in um, in Daniel chapter 11. But today we're in chapter 12. And chapter 12 fast forwards a bit more. So Daniel's in about 500 BC. Uh, the prophecy in 11 is about 2nd century BC. Chapter 12 starts looking way beyond. I guess it's this way for you guys. This is the future for you, right? Way beyond to the end of time. The last days. The end days. Whatever you want to call it. The end. That's what it looks like. Well, the end of the world as we know it. The end of time, the end of the world, all of that. That's what chapter 12 starts to look at. And when it comes to the end, what's interesting to me is there's little disagreement that at some point there's going to be an end. I mean, religious or not, Christian or not, um, you know, scientist or surfer, everyone seems to agree this isn't going to last forever. At some point, it's going to end. And there's arguments about how long it's going to be before, you know, it all ends, before this, you know, star we call the sun kind of burns out or whatever. You know, there's arguments about that. But people say it's going to end. And people try and extend it, you know, and I won't use plastic straws and you'll take your recyclable bags to the grocery store and maybe we add a millisecond on. I don't know. That's the, I have no idea. But there's no, what I know is... Everyone agrees it's not going to last forever. It's going to end at some point. And when we talk about the end times and end things, I think two questions often come to mind. And the two questions are this. How long till the end? And how will it end? How long till the end and how will it end is often what we want to know. They're the same two questions you would ask if you individually maybe received a terminal diagnosis, you know, from your doctor. And you don't want to receive that, but you're sitting in that office and he says, you know, I got bad news, but here's the reality. Your two questions in that moment are probably, how long do I have and how's this all going to shake out? What's it going to be like? And it's the same thing that happens, I think, when we come to the end of time. How long do we have and what's it going to be like? Now, when we talk about the end of days, the end of time, uh, the end of things, as the Bible talks about it, I think people in general, but Christians in particular, sometimes will fall down one of three paths, and I'll put them to you this way. We either get sidetracked, stressed, or stuck. We either get sidetracked, stressed, or stuck, and maybe you would fall into one of these categories, maybe you know someone who falls into one of these categories. When I say sidetracked, sometimes we think about the end times and the end of things, and we get sidetracked by trying to figure everything out. And we look at everything that's been laid out, and everything that's been given to us in Scripture, and we try and look at it as a puzzle to be solved. Uh, you, you watch the news, you read all the blogs, you look at scripture, and you try and find all the pieces and make them fit into the puzzle, and you become consumed with what everything means and, and how it all is going to shake out, but, and then lose your focus and attention off and on today, because we're so focused on every single detail. Sometimes we can get sidetracked on what it might mean for today. Uh, because of that. The second thing is I think some people get stressed. 
And with stress, there's uh, a hyper fear at times. That if you think about the end times, you think, wow, and we'll talk about this in a minute, that it, it looks like it's not going to be good near the end. And I don't want to live through that. And I don't want my kids to live through that. And, and maybe if you're older, you say, I don't want my grandkids to live through that. And so sometimes there becomes a hyper fear of the end things. And we get stressed. And the third one I'd say is sometimes people just get stuck because they resign themselves to, well, forget it, we're never going to figure it out. You know, people much smarter than me and who have much more time on their hands have tried and they can't agree, so what hope do I have? You know, some of these things are so amazing that, you know, you can't even get your mind around them. You know, you think about our own universe and we live in it. I sometimes, you know, I'll sit on my couch and I'll turn on, you know, the science channel and I'll listen to Mike Rowe narrate, you know, what's going on and he's talking about some neutron star rotating at a bazillion miles an hour and, uh, and then he's talking about nebulas and black holes and, and stars that have already died but we still see their light and I, my mind is blown and I'm like, what hope is there for my little pea brain to understand all these things in the end of time. And maybe you're like that sometimes. Maybe you get stuck. Like, let's just throw up your hands. What are we going to do about it? Well, here's the reality. Here's, here's, here's the truth. You cannot figure it all out, but you cannot shut it all out either. You can't, you won't figure it all out. In fact, we're going to see that Daniel has told that himself in this chapter. You can't figure it all out. But you can't shut it all out either. Because the reality is you are living on this planet and it's going somewhere. And you are a soul that is going to live on for eternity and you need to think about that. And you and I need to think about that. So we can't shut it all out, but we can't figure it all out. And we can't figure it all out, but we can't shut it all out. We need to look at these things, gain what understanding they have for us, and live our lives in light of it. So, with that being said, turn to Daniel chapter 12 if you haven't already. Uh, if you're looking at it in um, the Bible in your chair there, I think it's about page 740 or somewhere around there, you'll find uh, the book of Daniel. And I lost my place here, but it's about the same page in my Bible. Uh, here we go, Daniel chapter 12. And here's what it says. Talking about the end of days. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And Michael is referred to several times throughout the Bible, three or four times, and almost every time as this archangel is introduced to us, he is an angel that seems to protect and, uh, God's people and fight on behalf of God's people. Uh, so Michael, the great prince, has charge of your people. And there should be a time of trouble, such as never has been, since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, 
Shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked. And behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on the other bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. And from, that time, from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Daniel 12. Let's return to our two questions. How long till the end and how will it end? If you're paying attention, they actually occur in the text. I didn't make them up or pull them out of thin air. They're actually given to us in this text. In this vision, Daniel has this vision of these at least three people, one on either bank of a river and one kind of over the river. And one of the people on one side of the river says, how long till the end? How long is it going to happen? And the answer he's given has some information, but isn't a complete detail or a date. Told, he's told time, times, and half a time. And this expression occurs a couple times in the book of Daniel and throughout the Bible. It gives a little bit of an idea of what's going to be going on at those times, but it doesn't tell us an exact date. It also says that in that time when he asked that question, when it will be, he said that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end. We don't know entirely what that means, but what it really, what it sounds like is there's going to be a time when God's people, it, whatever this end of time is, the time for God's people is going to be really difficult going into that time. That it's going to be, in fact, other parts of scripture will tell us that it's going to be uh, bad that if God had not himself preserved them, that they would not even survive. There's a difficulty that happens. There's a hardship that happens. I know we're closer today than we were yesterday, but I don't know the exact date. He asks how long. He asks how long it'll be, and he's given some, and we're, in other parts of scripture, we're given some information of what the end is going to look like, even though we don't know exactly when it's going to happen. In the book of 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, and see if you recognize what this sounds like. It sounds a little bit maybe like our world today. 
Paul says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people who will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. That was written 2,000 years ago. God had given that to Paul to write. Sounds an awful lot like our time. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Uh, appearance of godliness but denying its power. I don't know. All I know is this is the type of culture and space that it could happen in. But we're not given an exact date. In fact, Daniel is told... But Daniel shut up the words and sealed the book until the time of the end. In other words, there's going to be some things that are going to be sealed until that time when all things do come to an end. And what's interesting is you read the scripture, it's all one story. If you were to jump to the book of Revelation, and we're not going to go there today, but chapter 5, you can read it for yourself when you get home. Revelation chapter 5 talks about a seal that at the end of time will be open, but cannot be opened by anyone except the slain lamb of God, which is Jesus himself. And I believe that's the same scroll that Daniel is told to seal up now that is then opened at the end of time. You won't understand it all, Daniel. You're being given this vision. You're going to be shown some stuff, but it's going to be shut up and it's going to be closed until the time that only Jesus can open it. And it's this one story that God is laying out. We don't know the exact time, but we knew, do know that a time of the end is coming. Well, how does it all end? We're not given a lot of detail about that either. There is some things we're told. We are told that for the people of God, it's going to be a difficult time. It's told here in Daniel and in many other places in Scripture, there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. We, we talked about the shattering of the power of the holy people. Other parts of the New Testament will talk about an antichrist that's to come that will set him up as power and the world will gather around and worship. And if you choose not to worship, you'll be persecuted. And so that the people of God that would choose to worship only God are going to go through a difficult time. It's hard. How will it all end? We're given some information, but even the information we're given maybe doesn't lay it out as clearly as we'd like. We know that there will be people will die, that there will be a judgment. How long till we have and how will it all end? Daniel asked these questions as well. But the answer he's given is really an answer to a different question. And that question is, how do we live between what is and what is to come? Because these questions are raised, how long till the end and how will it end? And the answer that's given to Daniel is 12.13. And in 12.9, he's told it too. 12.13 says, but go your way till the end and you shall rest which means die, and you shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days, which means you'll be raised again. 
That's the answer that's given to Daniel. How long and how will it end? And Daniel, he's told, well, shut up the scroll and it'll be opened at the end. But for you, go your way. You will die, but you will be raised again. And honestly, I think the reason the book of Daniel ends this way is because this is the whole point of the book of Daniel. That if you are living in a time where you are feeling pressure and you are feeling oppressed and you are trying to follow God as a person of faith and you're feeling and you're coming up against conflict for that and you're coming up against difficulty for that, the answer is continue to go your way. You will die, but you will be raised again. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the hope of Jesus Christ. Go your way. Follow the path that God has laid out for you. You will die, but you'll be raised again. And Daniel has been building, this book has been building to this point, I think, as an encouragement to us to remind us that God is in control. Go your way does not mean a phrase we use sometimes these days is you do you. That's uh, not what it means. It doesn't mean just go, forget about it, just go and act like you want to act. That's not what it means. Remember, these words are given to Daniel as at least an 85-year-old man. He has already proven his track record on the life that he lives. And so this messenger of God is saying, Daniel, you keep living the life that you have been called to live. You keep walking the path that you have been walking. Just don't stray from that path. You keep walking on that path. You go your way. Stay focused on that path. You will die, but you'll rise again. And so I think this go your way, if we looked at it, it goes back to what the whole book has been saying. Look, Daniel. This way that you've been walking, everything that's been laid out in this book continue in that way. So if we look back for take a moment on what we have looked at in the book of Daniel of what the message of Daniel is to us. Let's just take a second to go back and look at what we've said. Right from the beginning of Daniel, we heard this message, no matter who's in charge, God's in control. Go your way, Daniel. Don't forget that you may have, and it's true for you, you may have a boss at work. You, you, have a, you have someone in your life who has authority over you. You've got, we've got uh, governors and judges and presidents and kings. But no matter who's in charge, God's in control. That's the message of Daniel. Go your way, Daniel. And don't forget that no matter who's in charge, no matter who has authority in this world, God is in complete control. Secondly, remember we came to the point we said don't, we said be present and point people to God. Go your way means that in this world you are going to be put in places and God puts you in that school and God puts you in that neighborhood and God puts you in that job and God puts you in that house and God puts you in that family. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. God has you there and he wants you to be present and point people to God. You're there because other people need you there. Daniel was in Nebuchadnezzar's presence. Other kings' presence who were evil. To say the least, they did not worship Daniel's God. They desecrated him. But he was there for a purpose. To be present and to point them to God. Go your way. You do that in your life. 
Then we went down, we saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego threatened to be thrown into a fiery furnace if they do not worship a false god. And they said, you can throw us in the furnace and our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, we won't worship you. See, go your way means that you will face persecution, you will face difficulty, you will face pressure. But when you do, in the face of that pressure, you are able to say, my God is able to save me, but even if he doesn't, I will not bow down to anyone else but the true and one and only God. I will not bow down to some false God. Even if he doesn't rescue me out of this temporal life, he has already rescued me eternally and saved my soul. So I don't have to bow down. He said, even if he doesn't, so go your way means you can withstand that pressure. And then we said, go your way means that kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. And this is true, you know it. We all know it. You go to your classes and you study these civilizations of the end and they all think they're the last one. They all think they're going to last forever. They all think they're the best one and the last one and they're going to last forever and yet we see them come in and go out of existence. Greece, Rome, these great kingdoms of the past, Come and go, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. See, go your way means that you have to realize that the kingdoms of this world will try and squeeze you into their mold. And you're in school, young people that were ministering up here, you're going to face things. You face them in school, but when you get out of school, you're going to face times where people will say, no, 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 no. This is the way you have to act. They're the kingdoms of this world. You have to squeeze into this mold. You have to act this way, think this way, believe this way. And in that moment, you will have to remember that the kingdoms of this world come and go, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. We didn't come up with some of the things and the ideas that are coming and going on in our society. Take a look at ancient Rome. There's nothing new under the sun. Kingdoms will come and kingdoms will go, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. And we live in this world that will tell you in this kingdom that we live in here in the United States of America will tell you that happiness is your goal and happiness is your idol. And they set that up as, as what you should serve and what you should worship. And if it doesn't make you happy, then just get rid of it. Stop doing it. Don't do it. Abort it. Don't pay attention. If it doesn't make you happy, if it's too hard for you to handle Just get rid of it. And yet God has not called you to happiness. He's called you to holiness. And there are times in our world, in our kingdom, that we live in this world. We live in a time and we live in an age that tries to tell us that life, some lives are worth more than other lives. And a life outside the womb is worth more than a life inside the womb. And there's a lot of, if you've been paying attention to the news, there's a lot of legislation and things that are going on now that are trying to make it even further and further along in the pregnancy to say that it's okay to abort that baby. Or if it's a handicapped baby or some other difficulty, it's okay to end that life. Kingdoms of this world will try and tell you 
that that's not worth it and yet God has created that life. And yet we live in a world that will try and tell you that black is white and white is black and get you to think a certain way. And we need to be careful as the people of God to remember that we are called to be people of righteousness. I just think the things that we are called to stand for, you'll receive pressure for at times. This world does not want to admit that there's a kingdom that lasts forever. Our world does not want to admit that there's a God that is able to tell us things and to say things. To the point that our world does not even want to admit that a God could say whether you are a boy or a girl, that you get to choose that. You get to be God. That God does not even get to say the most fundamental things. That all these things are our choice because we are God. But the kingdoms of this world will come and go, but the kingdom of God lasts forever. These are not new ideas. Read your history books. They've come, they've gone, they've been on the radar screen. But the kingdom of God will last forever. You'll receive pressure. And when you do, then one of the next messages of Daniel was, don't close the curtains. Don't close the curtains. Remember Daniel chapter 6 when he was said, you know, he was, Daniel was told, if you go and pray to your God, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. And he went with the curtains open, just like he always did. And he prayed to God. You don't close the curtains on your life of following God. Have devoted displays of devotion in your life as you follow and pursue God. We went on and we said you can look back with certainty and you can look forward with confidence. You can look back on the prophecies that God has already fulfilled, say uh, Daniel chapter 11. And then because of that, you can look forward with confidence to know that Daniel chapter 12 is true. Finally, we said that God hears, God forgives, and God acts when we pray. Don't forget that God hears your prayers, God forgives, and God acts. Go your way. Go your way doesn't mean just choose any old way. Go your way doesn't mean just walk however you feel like walking. Go your way means you continue to pursue and hold on to the Lord the way you have been doing, Daniel. Go your way. And you do it in your life too. This is what God is telling you. The end of time, you can't figure it all out, but you can't shut it all out. It's coming. It's a reality. And so these two things keep in mind. Last two things as we finally look at this. In, verse, in chapter 12, it said this in verse 1. A time uh, such as never been seen, there was a nation till this time. But then it says, but at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book shall be delivered. Throughout scripture, several times, this book is referred to. This book of life. And it's said that there's this book of life that anyone who has put their faith and trust in God, who worships God, that their name is written in this book of life. So go your way, first and foremost, I believe to you, means make sure your name is in that book. I don't care where else your name is in this world. Your name is on statues or your name is on diplomas or your name is on uh, other kinds of accolades. Wonderful. But make sure your name is in that book. 
Make sure you've put your faith in us because all those things will go away with this world. But that, that lasts forever. That lasts forever. Everyone is going to be resurrected to one place or the other. Look at, verse tw- look at chapter 12 again in verse 2. In many of those who sleep in the dust, that means they're dead, of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Here's why you need to make sure your name is written in that book. If anyone ever tells you that the Old Testament doesn't speak about resurrection, Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 is the clearest verse on resurrection anywhere in the Old Testament and almost in many places in the Bible. It's an extremely clear verse that there will be a resurrection. And here's what it's saying. Here's what it's saying. There will, the body, there will be a bodily resurrection for everybody. So yesterday, at about 5.30 in the morning, when Michelle Pierce took her last breath on this side of heaven, in that moment, her spirit was with God. That's what scriptures teach us. That's what God has told us. In that moment, her spirit is with God. But she still awaits a bodily resurrection. Uh, Jesus, when he went and into the tomb and he died on the cross, his spirit was immediately gone from his earthly body. But then when he was resurrected, he was given a glorious body that we're told in Scripture is the first fruits. In other words, it's, it's, the, it's the model, it's the template that everyone who trusts in God will eventually receive. But he got it first and he still has it. I'm not sure if you know that. He still has this glorious body that he had in the resurrection. And we don't know a lot. In fact, in Scripture, it says, you know, you ask these questions about the, glory, the body. Paul says, you know, it's foolish to ask these questions. We don't know. The seed goes into the ground. It looks one way. Then it grows into a tree. It looks another way. I don't know what the glorious body is going to look like. But you look at Jesus' body when he appeared to his disciples. He was able to eat. Um, he still had the scars, which is interesting, in his body. He was somehow able to pass through locked rooms. Uh, Because he did that. His disciples were in a room locked in there. And he was able to appear in that room. And he has a glorious body as like the one we will have. So you have an eternal spirit that will eventually be connected with a resurrected body. But it's not just those who put their name in faith in Christ. Did you hear the scripture? It said some will be resurrected to everlasting life. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. Everyone's body gets resurrected and lives along with their soul for eternity, but where eternity is spent is determined on what you will do with God and Jesus Christ and whether you will put your faith and your trust in him. I think C.S. Lewis is right, 20th century theologian, when he says everyone in the end gets what they want. If you want life with God, he has made it possible through Jesus Christ. If you want yourself on the throne and you don't want God to be Lord of your life, you get eternity apart from him. And according to this scripture, full of shame and contempt. And so make sure your name is in the book. Make sure your name is in the book. You say, well, you're trying to scare me into heaven. No, no. 
but I would not be a friend to you if I did not share with you truthfully what the Word of God says. God has not made it difficult. I'm offering you the invitation that God offers. If you'll put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you don't have to fear the end. You don't have to worry about the end. You can trust that God has a place for you. God has made a way for you. You have your name in that book. Second and finally, make sure your name is in the book, Lead Others to Righteousness. Lead others to righteousness, or I would say it this way, because he says this in verse 3. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So part of your job and my job is to turn others to righteousness. Well, what's righteousness? It's not behavior modification. It's not just acting like nice people. I would say this way, make sure your name's written in the book and get as many other people as you can to get their names written in the book. Turn others to righteousness. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about what God offers to them. That's what you're called to do. Turn others. And this is what you and I are called, the life we are called to live. Go your way till the end. And you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Go your way, Daniel. You will die, but you will rise again. Christian man, Christian woman, that's the word to you today too. Go your way. You travel the path of life that God has laid out for you. You stay faithful to him. You trust in him. Know that his kingdom will endure forever. Know that you can trust him through difficulty and pressure. You will die if Christ doesn't come again. But you will be resurrected. And you can trust him for that. As our worship team comes back, I leave you with this other last quote by C.S. Lewis. And it's a good perspective on the people around us and making sure we understand properly what's important in the world that we live in. In his book, The Weight of Glory, he says this, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would strongly be tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are, in some degree, helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another. All friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, these are mortal. And their life is as to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit immortal horrors or everlasting splendors.
Each and every person you meet is an eternal soul. A person who has an eternal spirit that will one day be connected with a resurrected body that will spend eternity someplace. Either in a place of everlasting life or in a place of eternal contempt and shame. In light of these things, we ought to take care how we live our lives. We ought to make sure our names are written in that book and accept the offer that God has given to us and help others to do the same. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment? Not because I need to hide anything from you, but because I want you to have a moment without looking around at all the people in this room, but have a moment of reflection between you and your creator. This God that I have been talking about to you. Because one day, the Bible says, that's all there will be, you and your creator. And in that moment, what will your relationship be? If you're here today and you would say that my name has not been written, and I don't know if my name's written in that book, you'd say, Pastor Rick, I don't know. I don't know if my name's in that book, but I want to today make sure that my name has been written in that book of life. It's simple, even though it's not easy. I say it's not easy because when you come to God, you're asked to give your life over to Him. You hand over control of your life. You yield the steering wheel to Him. You make Him Lord. And that's not easy for us, especially in a world that wants to tell you you're God. You're in control of your destiny. You get to call the shots. But if you are going to follow God, if you're going to receive everything we just talked about, that's what it takes. Dying to self. It's not my life, God. It's yours. I didn't create it. I didn't make it. It's a gift from you. And I'll give it back to you and live for you. It's not easy, but it is simple because God has already done the hard work through Jesus Christ. And what he has asked of you, he said the simple words of your mouth and belief in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord is what it requires from you. And so there's this prayer on the back of your Connect card and I'm going to read it. And if you're here this morning and you want to make sure your name is written in that book, then you pray it there with you as I read it aloud. The prayer says, Thank you, God, for loving me and for sending your son to die for my sins. I repent of my sins and receive Christ as my Savior. And now, as your child, I surrender my entire life to you. And if that's your desire, I encourage you in your own place, right where you are, in your own heart and with your words, to speak that and let God know that you want to follow Him, that your life is no longer your own, that you want to live for Him. For the rest of us, I want to pray that we would be the type of people that Daniel was, the church that Daniel was, to have that strength and encourage that we would go our way, but it would be the way of Daniel. 
Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word for these last numbers of months as we've been studying this book. Lord, thank you for the direction it's given us. Thank you that we have and understand all that we need to understand. There are questions we'd like answered, but you have given us the answers we need. And help us to live our lives in light of the information you've given us. Help us to live our lives in that which we do understand because we're not always very good at that, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us to be a church that would live for you. Be people of faith and strength and boldness and courage living for you, serving you, and worshiping you with our whole mind, body, and strength, God. Lord, in the midst of a culture and a world where it's become increasingly difficult, may we shine like those stars that Daniel talked about, Lord. Not because we are able to do it, and not in our own strength, but because of your spirit that lives within us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.